0: Hey, hey, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today we discuss one of the most important subject matters, and that is the one of racism. It breaks my heart, but most importantly, it breaks the heart of God. Today I welcome my good friend, Joshua Timberlake. He's a husband, a father, an amazing worship leader and musician, and we have the same heart for racial reconciliation. This conversation will be raw and honest as we talk about the only cure for racism hey friend
1: hey what's going on
0: i'm emotional over here goodness why this is just a very sensitive topic for me as you know yeah i know you and i usually have a very lighthearted friendship you know we joke a lot but today we are about to get serious because we're dealing with a very heartbreaking issue yeah <laughs> but really i miss you
2: joshie <laughs> i miss you too
0: It's really devastating everything that's happening right now, but it has been for a very long time. Come on. The very first day that the news came out about George Floyd, I had trouble sleeping that night and I literally had a dream. I was standing next to the girl with the video camera and I started screaming at the police officers, get off him, get off him! And then I ran and just pushed him off of George Floyd, not even caring what would happen to me. And that's really who I am as a person to the core of me and who I've always been since childhood. I had some friends tell me the other day, they know my heart for injustice, and they said, they were nervous for me, and they said, well, we hope we don't see you on TV getting arrested. I mean, I don't know how quietly and peacefully I can protest with the heart for injustice that I have, and my freedom fighter spirit, you know, it's about to get rowdy. (laughs) Josh, you already know about me, but let me share a little bit about my history and my background and where I come from. I was born and raised in California and specifically the Oakland Bay Area. And we are a true melting pot, one of the most diverse areas in the nation. Right. You know, I didn't really know what racism was. I didn't really experience it because all my friends were different. All my friends were different races. I remember back in fourth grade in public school, you know, we'd go out to the playground where all my friends were different. I had a Puerto Rican best friend, I had a Chinese best friend, I had a Mexican best friend, I had a couple black best friends. You know, everybody was different. In fact, there wasn't too many white people. I was actually the minority. I remember asking my parents, do white people exist? You know, because I don't see us out here, right? And it wasn't until I actually went to a different town far away that I saw groups of white people. And I was like, okay, we do exist. (laughs) So I wasn't taught and I didn't have the experience that any other race was beneath me or lesser than me. In my eyes, we were all the same. I picked my friends based on if I liked them or not. It had nothing to do with color. It had to do with like... I don't like your personality, or I do, right? Yeah. But it wasn't until about seven years ago when God uprooted me and moved me to the South that my whole life and perspective changed. I remember from the moment I stepped off the plane, I literally felt a heaviness. It was like a heavy spear of segregation and racism, and I literally could feel it in the atmosphere. Yeah. And I would hear stories about the South, but you know, it would just be in like movies, like Gone with the Wind or whatever, you know? Like I really didn't know what it was like you know it's not part of my history or my culture you know my history books in California were mainly all about the gold rush yeah the history of the lynchings and Jim Crow laws and all the extreme cases of segregation and murders you know I didn't know what any of that was until I first moved here and I went to a museum that had an exhibit with actual photos and footage from that era and it made me sick to my stomach I could barely walk through the whole exhibit yeah I'm not saying that there's not isolated cases of racism in California, of course, okay? There's isolated cases everywhere, but it wasn't prevalent. It wasn't something that I would see or hear about often, but it definitely exists whether I experienced it or not. Yeah. I remember when I first moved out here and I was super friendly to everybody and black people would give me dirty looks when I was really nice to them and I never got why. It wasn't until years later and I talked to one of my friends that was born and raised in the South and she's a lot older, she said, there's a history of when white people are super friendly in your face, but then they're racist behind closed doors. So the friendlier you are, the more they don't trust you. I was like, they must really not trust me then because I carry the joy of the Lord. (laughs) But really, I think because I wanted people to like me and I wanted to fit into the culture here, I started to become someone else. I started to become quiet. It's considered Rude to be too loud or too much of an open book, so I just started to shut down a little bit. Then one day, the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and He said, I didn't call you to fit in, I called you to be set apart and to bridge the gap. Come on, He left me speechless. That's when everything switched for me, and I decided I'm just going to be who God created me to be and allow the Holy Spirit to change hearts and mindsets. So yes, it hasn't been overnight. It has taken years to kind of prove myself, to show that I am real and authentic. But just by me being myself and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through my life, they see that I am different and I'm real. Yeah. And I have been their friend through it all, you know, through divorces and heartbreak. I've cried with them. I've spent holidays with them. I've invested and my love and loyalty is evident. And out of my obedience, God has used me to make a difference. Right. Josh, let me ask you, what has it been like for you to be raised as a black male in the South? And do you have any of your own experiences with racism?
1: Yeah. So I I, I grew up, I was fortunate enough to grow up, of course, with both my parents, but also, they were, they were pastors and they were ministers, and they was a part of a, a huge move of God um, in that area. I grew up around people respecting my parents, um, and it was, they looked beyond race. So I never really saw it firsthand until I dated a white female. She told me um, that we had to keep it a secret. And I was like, for for what? Now, keep in mind, I wasn't like you know novice. Like I knew about racism and everything, but I never experienced it firsthand. I started dating her. Her dad was a uh, was actually a police officer. She told him about me. About hey, this guy, he's um, he's a Christian. You know, he's doing a lot of stuff. You know, blah blah blah. His parents. Are- pastors and stuff, you know, he's a good kid. He's going to college. I mean, I mean, I thought I had the the greatest resume. I mean, football star, singing the choir, GPA was dope. I was getting looks at college. I mean, my God, who wouldn't want me, you know, so. (laughs) Husband material. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is easy. I mean, just give him my resume
2: and I'm in there,
1: you know. And she came back and said, we got to talk. And she said, if you really want, if like, she said, if you really feel that way about me, I still will do this, but we can't make it public or the community or some people in the community will tell my dad. And I'm like, wait, what what do you mean? I'm not about that. What are you talking about? She said, if he finds out, now I want to tell you how deep this thing runs, and this is going to blow your mind. She said, if he finds out, he is going to not only not pay for college, but disown me as his daughter. What? And his and his wife backed her up. Now, see, this is the kind of stuff that people don't want to want to want to find out about, or hit the, hit the fan. Oh no, I, I tell it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so hey, I care about you, but I mean, like, I'm about to literally be in the way of your future. You see, what I'm saying like this. This puts me in a position as a black male saying, "Hey, my parents." grew i mean they they raised us to like you know they don't care who comes through that door as far as a race they better they better make sure they respect the household and they better know jesus that's it that's all they ask for that's how it should be yeah that's how it should be respect the household um <laughs> my mom said does she have some common sense and then, <laughs> and, then, and then and does she love jesus Is that's it they good, they really good, they good with her, you know. Did she have four brain cells? Okay. Exactly. You know, does she at least have four brain cells, you know? So that's it. So my parents had no problem with race at all. Um, they had some conversations where they kind of felt had some tough decisions, but man, they got plenty of friends. I mean, my mom has so she has the United Nations as friends, okay? <laughs> so it didn't matter who came through the door. The whole time it was like God was just teaching me and teaching me about how to handle certain situations. Me and her, we was dating in secret and all that. You
0: kept dating even though the dad was threatening her? He <laughs> must really like this girl. Oh,
2: yeah. What?
1: You're about to dictate my life now. <laughs> not today. Yeah, not today. So then um, things were good and everything, and then I bought her a Christmas gift. And her parents saw the Christmas gift. I was like, oh, wow, that's a nice gift. And uh, Who got you that? and she she's she's so sweet she never would lie to her parents and she had to tell them they caused an uproar um they said if you don't break this up now we are going to disown you you're going to get out of the house you better find you better go live with him or whatever blase or and when you're not we're not paying for your school so you better find him and i'm sitting here working this you know it's a decent job for you know uh for high school and everything, but I'm sitting here like, y'all really about to do that? It just shows you how deep the root of racism
0: can be, you know? You're going to disown your own daughter, like cut her off from your family just because she is dating a Black guy?
1: No, oh, yeah.
0: You know, a good Christian guy, not some guy dealing
1: drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she literally called me crying and sobbing. I mean, sobbing, like... And it was probably what what launched me into this can never happen to another human ever again type mode. When she, when she had to break it off with me, I said, you know what? I cannot, there's no way I can be mad at you. I mean, I'm, I'm mad at the circumstances around you. I'm mad that it got to this point. I'm mad that they literally dangled your college, dangled your, um, your, 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 you as a daughter. Um, to the, the fact that they dangled that, and caught and manipulated you to make a choice that was against your heart and against your mind. I'm sorry and I've never seen her again.
0: Yeah. You can't really blame her. I mean, she was a teenager, you know, and she's about to get kicked out of her house. I mean, what can she really do? Right. Yeah. That actually happened to me one time. I was dating this guy from Fiji and his mom was extremely jealous. I mean, she used to hide in the bushes outside my house. Right. Oh wow! She basically gave him an ultimatum that if he didn't break up with me, that they were going to take away his college, his car, just everything. And they provided everything. And he was super young. So, you know, and that was actually racial because they moved to California from Fiji and and she wanted him to be with a Fijian and I was not Fijian. So, you know, um, so that happened to me as well. I know what that feels like, but really it was her wanting to control him that broke us up because of how his parents treated him and that ultimatum and making him break up with me. He actually spiraled and like took off to Fiji. Nobody knew where he was. I mean, he was super innocent, but he just, you know, lost his innocence and he turned from God. He got a girl in the youth group pregnant. I mean, his life just spiraled.
1: Wow at that time, and then at that time I kind of kind of fell away from Jesus too, so I was like in a whole different whole different realm. do you
0: think that that experience made you feel a certain type of way toward like white people or police officers or anything like that?
1: As far as police officers, not really because it wasn't like a police thing like you know happening, but i mean i've always I've always kept my ears up when it came to officers. Um, I have been pulled over some very weird stuff.
0: So you have been racially profiled before?
1: Oh, man, what? Yeah, I've experienced that plenty of times and it's always been... And you know it's because you're black,
0: right? Not because you're going 80 in a 60, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it'll, it'll be stuff like, hey, can we check your insurance? And I'm like, who
0: pulled somebody to check their insurance? Exactly. That's something you do after you're caught speeding, not just because. Right,
1: yeah. They check my insurance and then they find out, oh, yeah, you're good to go. I'm like, who pulls somebody? You see all these people out here, all these license plates you could have read. You get mine and you want to check my insurance? Exactly. That's a whole nother story. I've been through that stuff. A lot of people don't, but I don't really talk about it as much.
0: So now you're married to Kristen and you have a daughter, Zoe. Have you been treated different because she's white? And, you know, I know, like, I've heard black girls do not like when black guys get with white women.
1: That's the thing. I've got plenty of messages from black women saying, oh, you can't find a black woman or something like that. Actual messages. Oh, man. What? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually. yeah. I've, Next I've, level. It's just true. It's true. I've, I've received messages um, from a lot of black women who see pictures of me and Kristen together. Or It's funny. They never go after our child. Because the child is already here. The child is innocent. The child has nothing to do with it. But they go after me even being with her. And they'll say things like, oh, you, you couldn't find yourself a black woman or we're not light enough for you or something like that or we're not um, good enough for you. And they it's all stemming from a hurt of some sort of that they feel like their skin or their color is just not sufficient enough to get a black man. And my thing is, look, and I responded to them. I said, hey, and I I, hey, I got backlash, but I give, you know, I don't give a flip.
0: <laughs> you ain't playing.
1: They were like, but we just don't understand why. i was like, you don't need to understand. It's not for me for you to understand, but it's meant for you to respect. Um so right now you kind of just wasting your thumbs right now. Just keep texting me this. That's just pretty much it. And I always tell my wife about it
2: too.
0: Yeah, the root of racism works both ways. Yeah, of course. God needs to heal everybody's heart. Period. I think what's awesome about you, Josh, is you don't let those experiences get to your heart. It's like God has protected your heart. Yeah. I see when you're surrounded by different races and really you treat everybody the same. You don't have that mindset and you're not jaded by your experiences. And a lot of it probably has to do with you being younger, a younger generation, and obviously how you were raised. Yeah. And I believe it's really God that's protected your heart because you have a specific calling for racial reconciliation. Yeah. So keeping your heart free of offense, you have kept your heart pure, and it's what helps you to minister and to love well. Yeah. And it has opened doors and given you access that not everybody has.
1: Exactly. If I had given myself over to these emotions and these things and allowed them to drive me, I would have missed my call. I would have missed the, the moment that God had called me to, and I would have missed it. And 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 going back to that, it didn't really carve out a thing about about white people for me, but it did carve out that there is a certain type of white person out there.
0: It's heart, not color.
1: Exactly. And they were literally go to the extent to, to protect the pride of their quote unquote family and not to be the talk at Thanksgiving to the point that they will ruin their daughter's um college dreams and not pay for it and then disown her. That right there. And now here's the kicker. Now, this is where I'm about to really launch this thing to a whole nother orbit. (laughs) They went to a church that was multicultural, and their pastor stood for multicultural churches and racial reconciliation. They went to that church.
0: Yeah, that's so revealing. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, diversity and unity isn't because you have different races meet at church or at the mall, at parks, at public events. Yeah. Real unity is when you invite me into your personal space. And to your home, to babysit your kids, to sit at your table and eat, invited to your parties to spend time with your family. Mm -hmm. You know, when we invest in each other. Right. That is a true reflection on how you really see me. Yeah. Anybody can go to a multicultural church, you know, two hours on a Sunday. That means nothing, right? Yes. Maybe they're trying to feel better for how they really are, right? Who knows what their motive is? Cover up. But that doesn't show me anything. That doesn't tell me who you are as a person and where your heart's at. Yeah. I don't care if the church has 15 different cultures in it. That means nothing. Yeah. Only God knows a true condition of a person's heart. Yeah. And you know how they really speak behind closed doors, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly, and that's and that's what's also being uncovered too is that a lot of pastors that's been driving for that they're now finding themselves questioning, hey, are we really doing you know what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, what what, is, what multicultural has become is now a marquee market word, kind of like organic or keto. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's just another word to say or natural or local. You know, these these are nice marketable words that people use.
0: Right. It's become the trend.
1: It's the trend. It's the trend. So, yeah, we are multicultural. Multi blah blah blah, multi multi
0: <laughs> grain. I was
1: like, Yeah, you multi racism too. So, I mean, let's call it that too. Like, so, I mean, and I'm not saying every church is like that, of course not. Yeah, but let's just call it for what it is. There's levels to this thing.
0: I spoke on this a few days ago when I actually posted on all seven of my accounts this caption. It seems like society values social media presence most. But reposting and hashtagging is a trend that erupts after controversial and oppressive acts take place in our country. And most people do only take part in this to stay with the trends and self-serve and to remain relevant. How we treat others in the day-to-day and the condition of our hearts is what really matters. It's what's done when the world isn't watching that counts. Right. I got a lot of positive feedback and comments like this is the best post ever, but I was just keeping it real. It's how we treat people day to day when we speak up, you know, even when it's not popular. Coming from a pure heart, that's when it counts. Yeah. For me personally, I've been rejected for standing up for what's right. One time, this lady told me to get out of her house because I stood up for Black people. I even challenged my own friends. When I see all their friends and the only people that they invite over are just like them, they look like them, they go to the same church, everything in common, you know, I actually challenge them, like, why don't you befriend people that are different than you? Exactly. The only way we're going to see change is to work on ourselves. You know, Josh, when we first met back in the day, you know, we instantly connected because you and I have very similar personalities. Yeah. But really, we're different, you know. You're young, black, southern male. I'm an older, white, Californian female, right? Yeah. But what we really have in common, besides the fact we both love Jesus— We have specific callings that God has spoken over us for racial reconciliation. Yeah. Like God puts us specifically in places that not everybody can go to or be in and thrive and bring Him glory and break off mindsets and change the atmosphere. Yeah, You know, God has spoken clearly to both of us and planted us in places with deep history of racism, segregation, and still a lack of unity.
1: Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Apparently, when I was two years old, there was a prophet that came. Uh, His name was Prophet Tafoya. And uh, Prophet Tafoya, I think it was like Samoan or something like that, a Hawaiian. But he prophesied over me at two years old, saying I was going to be used to merge the races. Wow. At two. Didn't even know this until my wedding day. And my mom, my mom told me, this is, that prophetic word is coming true. And this is just the beginning. And when she told me that, and I can just see just the blend of people, white and black and Hispanic and um, Guatemalan. And, and it was Venezuelan and um, England. I mean, like everybody from everywhere. It, it didn't even hit me until that wedding. I was like, man, we have the most diverse wedding I've ever seen in my life. And so, and it won't just like one of each. It was multiple. It was like five of each, you know? It, w- it was amazing. and Well, that's what heaven's going to look like. Exactly. And so when I look back at it, I was like, okay, okay, Lord, whatever we got to do, I say yes to it all. And
0: Amen. Once we really surrender and partner with God, then get ready.
1: Yeah. And ever since then, it's been crazy. But uh, we're here um, and we're just walking out our calling.
0: I've always been a fighter of justice since I was a little girl. You know, I've always been a freedom fighter. I've, yeah. I've always been wired to fight for those that can't fight for themselves and to stand up for what's right. I've always been wired that way. Yeah. And it's amazing because, you know, God has made each of us for a specific purpose and calling. Yeah. And I really feel that I'm living that out. I'm living out my calling more now than ever before for such a time as this. Yeah. God has really used me to speak up and to make a statement, sometimes just by walking into a room. He has placed me in rooms where there will be 100 black people at an event. It's a black event, pretty much. And I step into the building. As soon as I walk in, I see their eyes wide open, mouths dropped, like, she must have the wrong address. (laughs) She's in the wrong building. But, you know, I got invited by somebody, right? And I go in there and I see the look on their face. Yeah. But because of my calling, my spirit literally leaps when I'm the only one in a room. Because I know that the Holy Spirit's about to use me yeah. to switch things up, to flip it, and to watch mindsets just get crumbled, you know? And I love it. You know, they start out shocked. But by the end of the night, you know, we're all sitting on the couch laughing together, exchanging phone numbers, you know? Wow. And I've watched God use me to break minds. Sets to bridge gaps. And it's powerful when you're walking and you're calling and being the voice of change. You know, even here, I've made a diverse group of friends, you know, we'll be walking into a restaurant, you know, for my birthday or something, yeah. you know, we'll walk in as a group of like at least four different races. Literally people will stop eating and stare at us like, what? <laughs> you know, it's so rare out here that a group of friends all different races would walk in you know but we just go and have fun i walk in confident you know we're all laughing having a great time yeah. and that alone is making a powerful and a beautiful statement yeah and i always feel that the heart of jesus is pleased you know he changes the atmosphere he makes them think they feel uncomfortable but that's good you know it makes them evaluate where they're at yeah. and i'm also an example of what it looks like to have joy to have peace and real unity you really can't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. You know, God has called us to do what's right, yeah, to fight against injustice and to love and treat everybody fairly. Yeah. Part of the reason that God specifically brought me to the South, because He knows that this is where I'm making the biggest mark. He told me, you're not going to make the biggest difference when you're still living in California, where it's super diverse, in your comfortable California bubble, right? Yeah. You're going to make the biggest difference by me placing you and your background with your mindset in a place that is known and has great history of extreme racism and segregation and all of the above.
2: Yeah, come on.
0: You know, this isn't just for me because of my background, and because I have a heart for injustice. Yeah. You know, all of us, especially the body of Christ, need to stand up for what's right, to be a voice for the voiceless, to bring help for the helpless and hope for the hopeless. You know, God so loved the world, not the white, the rich, the privileged, you know. Yeah. Every single person is created equal in the eyes of God. Yeah. He has created us all with great purpose and great value. You know, He would die and go back to the cross just for one of us, white, black, yellow, brown, it doesn't matter. We are all equal in the sight of God. Yeah. But really, the only way that things will change is when our hearts change. Come on. Josh, I remember a couple years ago when I went to a church event that you were at, and I think you were graduating from a ministry school, I think. And for some reason, you invited me there, and I don't even know why I was there, really, but now I do. But really, God wanted me to witness a specific moment yeah. where you got spoken over that you were going to bring unity to the church and racial reconciliation, which is one of my specific callings as well. And it was such a special moment. Oh, yeah. God has planted you and your wife in Wilmington right now for such a time as this for that racial reconciliation to take place. And you are planning an amazing movement. Tell us more about that.
1: Um, we were obviously sent, for, sent to Wilmington for a reason. We have been stewarding the stadium gathering thing going on. And one of the first many events that we actually been working on is actually uniting the city. And that is actually about to come into fruition this Sunday at 4 p.m. Good. Doing the Ahmaud Arbery thing and George Floyd, kind of like in between that, the Holy Spirit really talked to me. He was like, it's time for Wilmington to be a voice. And I was like, and this was like six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, man, you're talking to me, and I'm not really wanting to be talked to. Not before my alarm clock goes off. Can you like talk to me about this like at 9 or 10 a.m.?
0: Oh, no. Jesus loves to wake people up before the sun comes out. <laughs> That's his thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, he gets me up. So he gets me up, right? And um, I sent a text message to some other pastor friends, and they were like, oh, wow, awesome. We're going to definitely pray into that. I was like, okay, cool. And then I text some other pastors in the city, and they was like, yeah. Yeah, it, it is time. It is time. And then I text this um, woman. She's a community organizer. She has like 200 organizations under her. And I tell her exactly what God told me. And she was like, oh, my God, call me like right now. She was already up praying already like sensing God is about to do something. I said, hey, look, it's time for women to be a voice in this. I don't know why God is picking us. I don't know. But it's just time for. A-
0: well, I think I know why. It's because God has called you to bring unity, right? Isn't there a lot of like crazy dark history in Wilmington? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wilmington actually has an historical background um, with the massacre of 1898 of blacks, of African Americans at the every entrance of the city they ran a lot of blacks out of the city. I have yet to have heard anything about a march to invoke the presence of God into a city Come on. or a gathering to invoke the presence of God because this is something that you can't march out. This is something you can't legislate out. This is not something you can just sit up here and scream up on the mic get people hyped up and emotional. No, this is a head and heart situation that needs to be dealt with.
0: Yeah. Hashtag and a social media post ain't going to do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's 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 not going to do it. That's, these are all symptoms of, of the... Of the care around it, but we're talking about getting down into the nitty-gritty here, and we just have to understand that this is sin, and me, myself, I have taken a lot of hits um, because of my stance on this because there's a lot of people wanting me to be pulled to this side or pulled to that side and have me give myself over to the emotions and snap like everybody else. Listen, we got COVID we got killings. We got people losing jobs. You mean to tell me you want me to just to pick a side and just lose it? That ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. I, 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 there's a certain thing called a mind in Christ. This is not my calling. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is not my calling. I've been called to unify the body, not keep the body pulling itself apart.
0: Exactly. I
1: mean, right now, if you, if you want to be honest. Body is really not unified right now because everybody's so torn. You got the arm over here and the leg over here and the head probably rolling on the sidewalk.
0: That's how it stops. Racism is everything opposite of the gospel message. Exactly. God's heart is with the hurting. Yeah. And if we are the children of God, then we got to love who God loves. Right. You know, Proverbs tells us to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, to speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and needy. So if we're not loving equally, then we're not loving well. And we're not exemplifying God or loving like Jesus at all.
1: Right, right. When we came up with this idea, descending upon downtown Wilmington at the 1898 Memorial.
0: How significant. Yeah, I know where that is.
1: We got Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, famous, the people that's trying to be like this. And that. all, all of them like, look, let's do something. And here's their response. Put it together. We'll join in. That's all you got to do. And I'm sitting here like, and they saying we're bringing all our resources. Everything you need is at your disposal. So good. And I'm sitting here like, you mean to tell me, God, a year's work of work, and you flipped it in literally three days?
0: Yeah, he was raised in three days, so he can flip a lot of things in three days.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. So he literally flipped it in three days, and, and now we got a meeting with the mayor tomorrow. Won't he do it? Um, all the leaders, we have this thing scheduled this Sunday at 4 p.m., downtown Wilmington, we're going to be praying, we're going to be empowering, we're going to be encouraging, and we're also going to be laying out next steps. See, that's the thing a lot of times with these movements. There's a lot of movements and stuff. A lot of people are like, yeah, this one needs to happen. But what are your next steps and how we can implement them?
0: Yeah, what's the practical things that we can do to fix a broken system?
1: Right, right. And so the next steps, we're going to establish some training within churches and how to how your culture is your cultural welcoming of my race or an Asian race or a Latino race. We're going to establish some, um, some trainings going on and within churches. Um, we're going to establish some workshops. Um, we, um, I know a lot of pastors, they're saying, hey, we're going to change our whole sermon series that month and we're just going to talk about Racial reconciliation, but we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty. We want to hear people's stories. We're gonna to go to the downtown streets and pull people off the street to hear their story about racism and all that Amen. stuff. And then also, you got people who are gonna stay in contact. I mean, it was it was amazing to me to hear within a city. I mean, Wilmington ain't that big, but it's a pretty big city. You got pastors on there who didn't even know each other. I'm like. If you're the body of Christ, shouldn't the, shouldn't the hand know at least what the feet look like? <laughs> I mean, something, I mean, you ain't got to know what it's doing, but at least know what it looked like.
0: You're like, you don't have to get a pedicure, but at least take the socks off.
1: At least take the socks off. At least t- take a gander, you know. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing. Out of that call, when we prayed, there was this sense of unity. I mean, authentic unity. Like, I've never, I've always longed for it and I, I felt glimpses, but this was the most authentic unity. And then when I got off the call, I cried and I was like, wait a minute, I've only been here a year. I haven't done that much work. I'm crying like I've been here 20 years waiting on something like this. But what it was is that God was impressing upon me not only. Just me crying, but it was the cries of the people that have been waiting for this. And and then also, when I called the organizer, I said, Emma, man, this is, I felt something very authentic. She said, I've been doing this for five years, been trying to get pastors to come together for this, been fighting that, and she has. We need Jesus. We literally need the Holy Spirit to literally rush through, through this nation.
0: Yes, Holy Spirit. We need a move of God. Oh, yeah. What are some other practical steps that you have planned?
1: This has to come with the intentionality of every person saying, hey, I don't know you, but we're in an hour that we need each other. Yes. We're in a, an hour in our nation that we're going to need each other and not just for today, for from now on. What I'm trying to establish here is a network of people who didn't know each other, but say, for instance, and now, God forbid we we know I don't want to say this, but what if this happens again? What if this happens again? What if, what if our officer acts like a fool again? And then when it comes to this point, we know that, hey, I met that person at that rally and we've been friends ever since. I need them right now because I'm starting to get those emotions. again. So good. That's what we're after. Um, those things. That's how you tackle that. It starts at the home. Um, you have to infiltrate the home's. I'm just glad to be a part of it. I remember, it's, it's funny when you brought up that prophetic word. I, brought, I just remembered it yesterday. His name was David Wagner, and um, it was me and Kristen leading worship. He, he prophesied over me saying I was going to bring racial healing into the church. And, and it's amazing when I look back, and that was like, what, two years ago? Yep. Yeah. So when I look back at that now, it's like, man, you know. When we moved to Wilmington, honestly, I knew I was going to be here and I I knew I was going to shake some cages.
0: Yeah. Branches are easy to break off. But roots are not easy to pull up. It really takes the power of God. Oh, yeah. You know, movements like the civil rights, the Rosa Parks incident, Martin Luther King, you know, that wasn't hundreds of years ago, you know? That was like 50, 60 years ago. That's still fresh. Yeah. You can have a friend that is your age, and their grandmother was marching with Martin Luther King, right? And that grandmother raised your friend knowing of her own experiences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something that is not too far removed. Right. The problem that I see that I believe has molded the mindsets of today is generations of being told that Black people are lesser, are not equal. So when they do anything human or questionable, they're treated as if they don't have value. Right. Even in our own constitution, it says that Blacks are not fully human. Oh, wow. So that's crazy. That's our own American constitution. Wow. They aren't given the benefit of the doubt. And it's a root system. It's a heart condition. And only the Holy Spirit can change a heart, change a mindset, and heal our land. Yeah, yeah. You know, staying silent is also injustice. The whole, it's none of my business mentality but it is our business. It's everybody's business. When there's injustice to anybody, doesn't matter what race, creed, color you are, then that is our business because it's a human issue and it breaks the heart of God. And that's what it really means to be united. When you're in pain, then I'm in pain. Right. Well, friend, it's been great having this hard talk, this hard conversation with you, but I know God is going to use our words to impact others greatly. Do you have a closing statement or anything you would like to add?
2: Yeah.
1: When you listen to this podcast, just know that hey, these are two people, these are two friends that obviously did life with each other.
0: For sure.
1: And obviously, well, I mean we man, come on, man. Like we went we went to the pool together, we went to cookouts, we went trips, we, come on, man. Like we did it all. We
0: fed the homeless together. You introduced me to Buffalo Burger. Come on. (laughs) You stepped up my meat
1: game. (laughs) You're hilarious. So like, these these are actually two individuals that did life together. So we're comfortable in just being uncanny and raw with each other about this issue.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And what I don't want is people to look at this and listen to this and be like, oh, well, he's not blah, blah, blah. He's not being totally real. No, you don't totally know me. So until you totally know me, you'll know how totally real I can be and get and how I've been real. So and and then and same thing for you too. For the same people may say the same thing. Oh, she's not being all real. She's not being, well, you don't totally know her. And you don't know you don't even know her back, you know her background now, but you don't even know her on a daily basis. You're just making that assumption off of one podcast. So I just want to put that out there.
0: That was really the last thing you wanted to say. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to challenge you, the listener, if you feel uneasy or uncomfortable with a different race, be honest with yourself. Search your heart. Allow God to show you any crevices, any deep part of you that feels uncomfortable with someone different than you. Repent for any lack of equality in your heart, in your mindset, the way you talk behind closed doors, the thoughts you have, the whispers you have. God knows the deepest part of our hearts and how we really feel at the core. This is the time to get your heart right, to take the next steps and become who God created you to be. If there's any root of racism or unforgiveness that goes back in generations in your family, allow God to break off anything that's keeping you bound. Come on. So, Josh, I know you don't know this yet, but I was hoping that you'd bless us with some worship.
2: Okay, cool, cool, cool.
0: Just a short something. Don't get too caught up.
2: (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) There is power in the name of Jesus.
1: There
2: is power in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. No shadow you will light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't down. coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, always oh, chases me down. And fight till I'm found and leave the ninety-nine. I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. Still you gave yourself away. And all the overwhelming, never-ending,
0: reckless love of God So beautiful.
1: I was like really feeling that for... Everyone at this moment, you know, they need the reckless love of God. I mean, the enemy wants to display a reckless hate. God is about to display a reckless love. The enemy wants to have the reckless vandalism, reckless rioting, recklessness, but we're about to give him reckless praise, a reckless worship, a reckless love, reckless grace. I mean, my gosh, reckless hope.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Don't start preaching now. We're about to end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friend, thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Love you. Love you, too. Would you pray us out?
1: Yeah. Um, Father, we thank you for this moment, not only just to dialogue, but the dissect, you know, dissect for a solution, uh, a way forward uh, and a new path, Lord, your Holy Spirit blowing through in many different ways, um, innovative ways for us to come together and bridge the gap. And I thank you for many people who are becoming bridges. I thank you, Lord, for the weight and that the strength that you have given them, only that you can give. To be a bridge, you have to be able to take on the, the weight of tires and feet going across for you to make, make it across. And so we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you for your strength and your guidance. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to go beyond the foot washing ceremonies and make this thing real in our nation, God. We thank you that we're going to not only just rely on a moment, but we're going to become a movement and we're going to go forward with this, Lord, with trainings within our churches, whatever that looks like. We're going to go forward with cultures being shifted in in certain churches. And we also pray for unity among church networks, revival networks, prophetic networks, all these networks that, that feel like they're safe from the racism talk. No, no, no. We're bringing you, calling you out forward and calling you into the light to actually deal with everything. Since everything else is being brought into the light, let's all deal with it. And we thank you, Lord. We speak your peace over this nation. We speak speak your rest and we speak your calm peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. I'm talking, I'm waiting for, I want a peace, Lord, that brings a holy hush over this world to pretty much calm down everything. And people are going to be realizing, why am I not mad no more? It's because the peace of God has just came over this and blaking this nation. Amen. And we thank you for what you're doing in London, England, and what you're doing in Hong Kong, and even Iran that's actually having some little bit of a civil disrest, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are God and God alone, and only you can come down and do this. But also you have given us the keys to unlock certain things in the earth, Lord. And so whatever we bind on earth shall be bound on heaven, and whatever loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, God. Yes. And we ask that your peace will be loosed in the earth. We ask that, you, that, your, um, that your love will be loose, and your grace and hope will be loose in the earth. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: I come in agreement with every word, amen. Be sure to subscribe for the weekly blog and podcast at leamariecarson.com and follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And remember, life becomes clearer when we focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.